once again, humans have destroyed Earth. Mm -hmm. uh, this this time, sort of religious sects, sects, S-E-C-T-E-S. There's really no, there's no good way. It's not religious sex, you know, there's no good way in radio or to like to enunciate S-E-C-T-S well yeah. enough. Wonderful listeners, welcome to High Tea with Monsters, Rebel Scum, and Vigilantes after a long hiatus during which we were sort of in survival mode, I'm sure like so many of you were. The homeschooling and the sort of no variation between, you know, weekdays and weekends and trying to budget and accommodate for the additional groceries of having more children at home all the time and not being able to go anywhere. So we have missed you dearly. Uh, Steven and I have both missed the show dearly. And so today we have a real treat for you. I recorded this interview a few days ago with my dear friend G. Stryker. He is sort of a podcast humorist uh, aficionado and fellow member of the movie madness board with me um you might remember the show we did with dustin fisher about the movie madness tournament which sort of pits films um and tv shows ncaa bracket style against one another certainly has been a source of joy in this uh monotonous time so without further ado i'm gonna present um basically an unedited version of this interview in which Stryker and I discuss specifically the HBO Max show Raised by Wolves, which I am obsessed with, and um, we compare it to some similar genre type pieces, such as the Netflix film I Am Mother, and um, we talk a little bit about WandaVision without many spoilers because we don't have a whole lot of information, but obviously she's sort of the queen of android loving so um so without further ado here's my conversation with g striker i hope you enjoy it as much as i did so this is a particularly special episode back for us um we have a guest today um i'd like to introduce g striker who is of steelernation.com podcast the official podcast of the pittsburgh steelers as well as a colleague of mine on the movie madness team hey striker hey how you doing brett thanks for having me on your show how's life in steeler nation pretty good it's just we are steeler nation's official podcast the pittsburgh steelers were technically not directly affiliated with but we just got media access to some zoom meetings now so that's really big news for steeler nation oh cool i'll re-record that part no it's fine you can leave it in I, <laughs> but you want to start over don't matter no it's fine it's fine i can edit it out so striker you and i've just entered yet another tournament in movie madness and I know um, 
my uh, a few of our listeners, quite a few of them actually joined after I interviewed Dustin on our last episode. Nice. Yeah. So um, for me, this is only actually the third tournament. And I think for you, you've probably been there since the beginning. Yeah. It's the beginning. Yeah. I've, I've known Dustin since college and we roomed together for one semester and we played sports almost all through college. And then we're both in recreation together. And he did film work when he was going to the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, as you did as well. And when we were working in recreation together, he'd do some filming on site. He did a, a basketball, a mockumentary for the worst basketball team in America. And so we, we had a lot of fun with the filming of that and then working on those projects. So um, I did see that video and I really do hope that he um, uploads it to you know, Facebook videos or something and starts to bring back some some oldies but goodies from his uh, student film years. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of fun. But it, it kudos to him, too, for starting this uh, Movie Madness project because it, it kind of got way bigger than it was for the last tournament when we did character versus character. Right. Beat up who in a fight. And that was, you know, it was, it was fun because everybody kind of got engaged into it and he set it up as this, okay, we're going to argue this, this character, somebody takes this guy, somebody takes the other guy. And it devolved into like you and I dressing up and into characters, <laughs> acting in character and having just a blast. Yeah, you you um <laughs> you really took the the characters to that next level though in the battle royale. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean that, that's what, the one time when I went up against Chris in the tournament, I was Superman. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, look, man, why are you coming to me with all these facts? <laughs> yeah, you're like, no, I've got, I've got gimmicks, and that's I, what I have. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm all shtick and gimmicks. <laughs> when I when I rolled up as Thor, but it was like, I think it was like Loki as Thor. Oh no, it was when um I was supposed to be defending defending Loki or Hela. Or yes, and you you and Dustin first thought I was Odin. Yes, right. um, and I like how just just I just. It's a Thor wig. Like, I'm just going to put it out there because I get called, like, I get made fun of by all of you for it looking like the Big Lebowski, but it is a Thor wig product. Um, it's just, I always add either, like, glasses or, you know, giant snack, um, like the s'mores I made. Uh, yes. <laughs> out of, I don't know, if I, was it like s'mores on Doritos? It was, yeah. It, was it Doritos? And yeah, it was cool, cool Ranch Doritos. I, can, ranch I probably Doritos. still have the crumbs from that in the computer. But yeah, so folks can go and check out that tournament that we're referring to, the Battle Royale um, tournament. This uh, current tournament that we're in, it is uh, a little too late to submit your bracket, but we're only uh, in the opening round and you can participate by um, voting in the polls that Dustin is posting. There's two matchups a day, I think, to Today was Thor Ragnarok versus No Country for Old Men or something. Oh, um, well, Thor should have been going up against either three billboards or super bad. Oh, yeah. Thor is beating uh, super bad at the, yeah. last, the last that I checked. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, which I think if it were any other Thor film, it wouldn't. But yeah, uh, Ragnarok, I think, has a lot of fans. And yeah, we've got 1700 plus people now in the group. So yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's free. It's fun. We all have fun putting it on. And, and um, Stryker and I like taking uh, the costumes and the gimmickry aspect to the next level. So you might enjoy um, checking that out. And I won't lie, I think you and I probably matched up one-on-one -on -one in that last tournament <laughs> more than anyone else it's did true. Ed, but I always enjoyed it because you and I were always trying to make each other just lose, <laughs> lose it, yep. fall out of character, laugh as hard as you can, and yep. that's what made it a lot of fun. 
Well, it's a Friday at like 2.30 central time here right now when we're recording this. So I already have a glass of wine in front of me. And Woo! yeah. <laughs> you, Friday. Happy Friday. I know. You will. Um, I am I am prone to spit takes um, often when Stryker is in costume either as a... Um, like a raunchy Gandalf or uh, the nothing, like a very snobby, the nothing from the Nevering story. Um, yeah, you've had some really great ones. Uh, and uh, our, our buddy Corey too gets in on that. Uh, everyone does lately. Yeah. And yes. we've added, we've rounded out our, our board of trustees a little bit more um, mm -hmm. for this one as well. So this is the one that we're doing right now is uh, movies through the decades. Um, so each region is sort of a different decade, um, with the exception of one, which is like 1900 to 1974. So <laughs> there are a lot of great... You don't um, want to go back on those talkies, do we? I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, if only it was to 1977, then we'd have a single Star Wars film in this. Oh. Um, probably, probably still no, actually, but... Um, right. Yeah, so Dustin puts a whole lot of work into yes. uh, this, and we love helping. We love the work he does. We love doing it um, yeah. and helping him. So, so yeah, so that's that. If you're not in Movie Madness, uh, please come and join us. Um, and if you like the Steelers, please listen to SteelerNation.com podcast. But for now, Stryker and I are here to talk about some shows, some movies, a lot of weird android maternal stuff going on like some some weird new trends in the sci-fi oh, fantasy no. and i love it and i, I do know, too it's it, so it, weird it started with me with the weird uh trend thing was also from ridley scott joint that i guess yep. kind of started the franchise when mm -hmm. it was alien resurrection yeah uh, with with the I, I guess that form of ridley was um a clone that they cloned with the alien symbiote inside of her. And I remember there's like a couple different, like eight yep. until they got the one that worked and yep. how she interact with that alien human hybrid that she mm -hmm. birthed. Yeah. So, that was a creepy um, yeah. <laughs> moment in the theater. When I used to be able to go movies in theaters, I remember seeing that one and my husband and I were just like disturbed, like quiet in the car the whole ride. Yeah. Yeah, because um, they kind of like just really changed the whole alien universe with trying to create this other form of, you know, xenomorph that could actually just totally bypass the entire life cycle and give live birth to new aliens. So that yeah, was like totally aspect. But yeah, totally. And I think um, that's a great place to start because uh, what, what we're going to do in this segment is we're going to talk about Raised by Wolves, the, the series on HBO Max. If you don't have HBO Max, like this show alone to me would be worth the one month trial that you can get without purchasing it. I, I it was an easy like eight episode binge because, um, or is it 10 episodes? It was eight or 10 episodes, but they released like three the first week and two the next week and two the next yeah. week. And so you were yeah. able to really devour the content. Mm -hmm. um, but to your point, Stryker, it's a Ridley Scott uh, backed film he actually yeah. or series he actually did, directed the first episode himself mm. Mm. um and the, the series is uh created by i hope i don't butcher this seemingly polish name aaron guzikowski uh -huh. um and in interviews with uh so interviews that we've we've had before um really scott and I don't want to spoil anything just yet, but I will add a spoiler alert um, when we get into the content of the show specifically. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when Aaron Guzikowski was working on the show and I guess talked to Ridley Scott about one aspect that he didn't want to rip off from Aliens, the Alien series, 
was deciding what color blood um, the androids should have. So father and mother, yes, um, who are played flawlessly by Amanda oh. Collin yeah. and Abu Bakr Salim. Yes, um, so good. Just yes. the, it, I, I, it's crazy good acting. Amazing how much range you need to play an android on this show. For sure. And yeah. then for <laughs> for poor little Winter McGrath, the kid, um, yeah. <laughs> who has to <laughs> play alongside these two people. This is like this kid's first acting gig, and he's just like, what the. Campion? Yeah, okay. it's Campion. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the um, yeah, the everything about this show I loved. I, I thought that the ending I wish kind of had gone a different way. And I know um, a couple other people that I'm planning to talking to uh, about this, like our friend Chris um, from Movie Madness, yes. was like slowly by episode seven, sort of just like, what? This is too much. But yeah, yeah. When um, when they when they created the the whole concept and they were talking about what color should the aliens or the androids bleed he said he didn't want to rip off ridley um scott so he had some sort of like blue stuff going on and then ridley scott was like no no they should be white it should be milk it should be like milk is the blood that the androids have and yeah he was like oh okay and it's so weird when it starts coming out like when they get injured and it's coming out their mouth white and like yes gnarly stuff but it's also a throwback to those alien movies when you see the androids, you know, getting injured and yeah, you know, milk flying out of their mouths when they're split in half and things like that. So, and they're scraping across with half of a body and milk kind of spurting. For everywhere. sure. So like, I, I love that aspect. And, and to me, it almost, I, I don't know if this is the case or not, but to me, it almost felt like part of the canon of like it could occur within the alien or the xenomorph universe just because of that though i know i think both technically have their own earths which are vastly different from each other right 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 i'm gonna hear it from from dustin and others that i haven't seen prometheus yet i haven't finished watching it oh yeah Um, (laughs) Yeah, i'm always i I reviewed prometheus before this today too just so i could remember so yeah yeah so i have to as well yeah i still have to get in i i i watched like the first like 30 minutes of it and then I fell asleep not because it's not intriguing it's just because I'm always that tired with the homeschooling of the two children oh my goodness yeah working part-time and the house cleaning and the two dogs and all of it but all the home parents (laughs) parents excellent job keeping it safe (laughs) keeping learning probably not the best quality learning ever but still making it feeding feeding people and yeah <laughs> so here's the note that i have and and here's where we're going to start our um spoiler alert for raised by wolves so if you have not seen raised by wolves we are going to be discussing the full content of all of the episodes <laughs> I, I just want to state too I, I know you alluded to this earlier before we started talking but the things that i really enjoy about a series and raised by wolves was an absolute gem of a find this year absolutely um, something like i wasn't expecting because i, I like high production value I like excellent scenery. I like excellent props and just setting up the universe, excellent effects. So it, so it seems seamless. It feels like I'm in a different place, but everything still seems real and believable. And that's, they, they hit it out of the park onto this. And then they, of course, they extended with the acting, which I thought was superb as well as the casting. And they did just a, a great, great job across the board to set me in a new universe to enjoy the show. Absolutely. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with everything that you just said. I think 
what blew my mind is because of the production budget, you know, being so large to have to create essentially in, um, I guess it's Kepler 22B is the planet yeah. that they find themselves on. Um, and the premise, if you're still with us through the spoiler alert, but you haven't, you know, seen every episode or you're trying to remember the the origin plot is that once again humans have destroyed earth Mm -hmm. uh this this time sort of religious sects sects s-e-c-t-s there's really no there's no good way it's not religious sex you know there's no good way (laughs) in radio or to like to enunciate S-E-C-T-S well yeah. enough, but it, it's going to sound wrong. So um, relig- religious factions, I'll say, yeah. <laughs> um, who are opposing each other. Well, technically, um, there's only one religious faction and the other one is non-religious. Atheism, right. Yeah. So the... Yep. Um, but it seems like they have a unified religion versus right. people that don't believe in. in yeah. And the most badass androids oh. have helped like destroy Earth. So like, I can't even describe it. So you, you guys have to go see the, the trailer right now if you haven't watched the series. But when they fly, breathing fire out their mouths like some sort of creepy, like serpentine, golden female, slightly androgynous dragon, like your skin crawls at first. It's so creepy. It's just amazing to see. So that's sort of how Earth ended up in this waste and our, I guess, heroes kind of, I, I kind of was rooting for father and mother, but yeah. maybe they're, I don't know if they're the antagonists or the protagonists here, but. And that's, um, what, that's what they did such a good job on that show because you're not really sure across the board who is the antagonist and the protagonist. Right. I mean, I, I feel like it's clear with father that he's supposed to be the, the good guy, you know, like yeah. um, most of the time. And, However, until you wipe his memory. And yes then. <laughs> and, and then, yeah back to being a an item in a tool so right. but one thing i just needed to, to set a point as well when you were bringing up the necromancers which is the mm-hmm. the, the female android that right. floats and essentially just liquefies humans yeah um that is probably one of the most horrifying yes. visuals i have ever seen in yep. all of sci-fi how a yes. necromancer can just come through and take out squadrons of people it is absolutely absolutely horrifying and excellently filmed if you got any sort of joy um from the face melting of the nazis in raiders of the lost ark this is for you like this stuff is it's it's just like the the sound effects of the of what flesh remains hitting the ground kind of thing like it's pretty it's pretty intense so we find our our main characters um Mother, played by Amanda Collin, and father, played by Abubakar Salim, um, in the roles of mother being the um, sort of nurturer forced to breastfeed and actually even partially gestate uh, the embryos. There's 12 embryos that they're carrying from Earth uh, to Kepler 22b. Um, by sort of a rogue, uh, brilliant scientist creator who has thought Earth is hopeless. There's no way for saving Earth. Um, we're going to start over, send these 12, you know, babies and these two uh, androids, and, and it can't get worse than it was, right? Like, it was yeah, really right. bad on Earth. So yeah. meanwhile, everyone left on Earth is fighting to get onto this quote-unquote arc, very yeah. um, symbolic Noah's arc. The two androids on a uh, self-piloted ship they're sort of in 
hypersleep because uh, obviously if they were awake, they wouldn't make the journey. So they're hibernating. They get woken up when they crash land. Father assumes the role of a service droid, um, really there to provide for mother's wellness and comfort so that she can provide for her children. Um, and to your point earlier about the production and the quality and the visual effects and the sound effects and everything, they were able to do this mostly because these, this is a cast of relatively unknown uh, actors and a very small cast of actors at that. Yeah. I think there's yeah. 12 key um, credited actors, including the children. So, Yeah, it keeps paring down because they, for some reason on a show where they're trying to survive uh, the, it, the, the humanity and, and keep it moving forward, they're still all, all about killing each other the entire mm -hmm. time <laughs> mm -hmm. to pare down the actors even more. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but or at, themselves, at, like Tally, who just you know wanders over to a snake pit. Right. <laughs> it's just right. like bye. Um, <laughs> Don't worry, I'll be back. <laughs> I left my dolls here. Yeah, you might see me again. I still am not. Um, yeah, I'm still unclear on what what happened there too. The, yeah. the Tally ending is one where I'm like, is she dead or is the snake just becoming her? And you know, yeah, we'll that's, get to that. yeah, we'll get to that. But, but yeah, for one point of reference, at least for people that may or may not have seen the show is the androids and the embryos can get to the planet faster. I think like eight years faster than yep. the arc because they're not transporting an actual being. Like the embryos are frozen in some kind of, liquid gel um and so they're in, as technically in stasis and of course an android body so for some reason with the physics in the show their crafts can move so much faster than a ship full of humans right which have to move at a slower rate because you have to put everyone in stasis and you need the oxygen yes. tanks everything so but the other thing um is that i don't think the arc was actually heading for kepler 22b because the reason they even get called over to that planet is when uh campion scampers down into the um ship that he and father were you know looking at as a way off the planet if um need be he triggers that homing beacon um maybe it's after he and um father uh have a fight with mother and and get her angry but it's when we're down to campion as the last surviving human child yes um he yes. triggers a homing deep beacon and then um human voices respond to it and then you have the arrival of um the sort of uh reconnaissance team from the arc coming down and probably the only actor that most people would be familiar with in the show is the character of Marcus, AKA Caleb, uh, is Travis Fimmel. Um, he's known to fans of the, um, the television show, um, the Vikings. That's where I saw him from. I was trying to remember. I know those blue eyes somewhere. <laughs> I know. I was Damn like, it. way to hit it. <laughs> I, I confused, I confused him for somebody else for a while. And yeah. then, um, not even joking. I, I thought for the first entire episode that I watched this, that I was like, that's weird how Carrie Russell is in this show and nobody's talking <laughs> about it. <'Cause, laughs> I remember we talked about this too. Uh, yeah. Cause I mean, Amanda, Amanda Collin is, is super yeah. tall and Carrie Russell is super short. Yeah. Um, but other than that, like they have very similar voice, uh, facial features and like body 
build um, from a petite build standpoint. So um, it was it was really weird for me to realize that like two episodes later, be like, oh, oops, not her. Um, so that was yeah. So that's the cast, and um, there's another actress. Um, I didn't know this is how you pronounce the Irish name N I A M H, but it's pronounced Neve. Oh wow! Um, yeah, so she's the one who plays um, opposite uh, our guy Caleb slash um, what's his name? Her name is Sue slash Marcus. yeah yeah Marcus slash Caleb yeah. Um, so the religious faction is called the Mithraic and, um, the opposing, the at opposition are the two viewpoints that, you know, the way is to worship soul, which is the, their God SOL, which I think um, is the sun. Yeah. It's like yeah. Soleil in French, right? It's yeah. the sun. So, um, and then you've got the, all their outfits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah, they have, they have such, um, such medieval outfits too like it's a, yeah. it's very like what you would imagine the first crusaders probably uh rocked out <laughs> and to me i was getting hints of monty python and the holy Grail. yeah very <laughs> much so with the big very sun on their, so. their breastplates yeah it's to it yeah. totally is and except with weird um like mullety you know mullety monk haircuts yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> a new new hair goal for um for 2020 if you can yep. rock a monk mullet uh <laughs> in the mithraic um whereas the androids are are sent by atheists and they try to raise the the six surviving embryos that actually end up as children to believe that everything um is practical and logical very which is a very natural um android response um, yeah. but as the show evolves and as the characters are, are forced into some new territory, uh, you find both of the androids becoming more human in two very different ways. Whereas, um, you know, the Mithraic, as you can usually predict with, uh, these religious factions, hyper, you know, sensitive to every, everything being a product of religion, um, things go awry. <laughs> yeah, and, and for me too, like it's, it's a great, not only is it just great sci-fi, but it's also great metaphysics as well, because you're challenging yourself to think, you know, are, are is, is religion the most important thing? Is lack of religion the most important thing? And then how these characters like Marcus and Sue's plot arc themselves for them even to become, they, they kind of, if if I can give out the spoiler on this, am I good to talk yeah, about? Yeah. Okay. Cool. So Marcus and Sue were atheists on the planet, and they were fighting um, the Back on Earth. Yeah, Back they on were Earth. on okay. Earth. They were mm -hmm. correct. So they go and they find um, some some passes to get on the Ark. Which, but to get on the Ark, you have to have the face of these other people, and evidently, androids can change your face to make you look like anyone. So they got a medical android to change their faces to match what Marcus and Sue actually look like now. Then they went to Marcus and Sue's home, killed them, right. to take their spot on the Ark. And then they realized, hey, we have a son. <laughs> so, yeah. so it made for a really, really interesting plot line because it starts off with these two characters that are kind of like, they know they are like the wolves in the hen house. And they're, they're trying to 
fit in as best as they can without really knowing or understanding, I guess, the religion at all. Totally. Um, but still trying to fit in and be part of this just so they can save themselves and survive. Yeah. And I think it's clear from day one that um, this is what Marcus slash Caleb believes they have to do uh, to survive. Whereas um, Sue slash Mary or Mary slash Sue um, is always a little bit more resistant because being a woman, um, it sounds like only a select number of women are allowed to procreate um, Mm -hmm. on earth. And um, the, Factions within the Mithraic are like, you know, kind of your your category um, <laughs> of people that you have almost like Dungeons and Dragons classes of people. So like, yeah. oh, I'm I'm not a laborer. I'm a, you know, priestess. And, I'm a cleric. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a cleric. <laughs> I rolled an 11. Um, no, sorry, I'm a fighter. I can only be a fighter. Yeah, oh, a I can't I help can you. <laughs> can't, find, can't find food, only here to fight. But um, so that's the, that's one of the distinct, uh, between the two of them even though they are partners and they're in this together is she sort of has a more visceral visceral reaction to reciting the prayers and yeah. doing all this where she was so tortured by um, the Mithraic yeah. um, as a, a girl and a woman on earth um, now she finds herself in a very high power position um, within that that um, faction and she's you know the the wife of a very powerful leader there who's also a fighter and yeah. so yeah and she's a nurse which is great she's got like <laughs> she just has like more life skill appeal and value than mo- the average mithraic who all kind of seem i don't remember anything about any of them except for <laughs> the two featured yeah, ones and they either know religion or they know how to fight That's yeah exactly like the only like they didn't send anybody down there that was like a terraformer yeah. or a farmer or yeah yeah there's no trying to figure out how to make this world work <laughs> very very few scientists it was like it was like a religious retreat and everybody just yeah. jumps on the ark hey guys we're gonna go to kepler uh, 122 for uh clearly (laughs) not not great shipsmen like shipbuilders because um the arc crashing is like i mean (laughs) you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't pad that thing a little bit better so that like when it sank into the planet it didn't kill ten thousand people and all of your food and like medical supplies but there seems to still always be some something that they can scavenge and make do with so yeah um, it, it makes for an interesting plot device. Yeah, having, having the crashed arc there to serve as kind of a place to find items and to find um, you know different mis- um, plot plot mysteries, I guess. To, yeah, to solve a lot of, lot of little plot devices that can help you solve mysteries within the plot. That's why. Yeah, a lot of <laughs> lot of little Easter eggs, and yes. so, and so. Um, the couple things I wanted to pick your brain about, Stryker, um, are your reaction to the the first episode as a whole, um, culminating in um, Mother bringing, or maybe it's episode two, where she brings the other children back down to Earth as friends for Campion. Um, so kind of the leading up to that, leading up to that point, the uh, story. Oh, I and... Got so that was the, that was the episode where they where she took down the ark mm-hmm. and she saw the children in the room and, and saved the children from that room and took them mm-hmm. down in a shuttle while she and got won. got them into the lander and brought them down to Campion. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well. So let's talk. Let's talk about this. It was just a mind banger of a of a pilot episode. 
Yeah, yeah, it was. And uh, yeah, for me, I, I don't remember if it was just one or the both second because I wasn't sure if they released both at the same time because I powered through whatever. Yeah, it felt like a movie. I watched all three yeah. of them together. So yeah. <laughs> I don't even know myself where they separated out. But um, yeah, a lot of people falling asleep next to snake holes as, as yes. I think how almost like four episodes end. So, <laughs> so but the, for me, the episodes too, it, it, the whole just idea of the show for me would change from episode to episode yep and that's the sign of a really really good show because i mean i might have been even really very very confused in the first first episode because <laughs> i kind of thought that this was like androids versus humans mm -hmm. um and they that i thought that was an android versus human war which caused same the, the, the planet to end and then you had the, these two androids trying yeah. to raise humanity better on this new planet yeah. and then you find out that no it, it, there's a religion um she the mother and mother used to well you don't even know for a few episodes what were actually mother's alliances originally were but her being there on the planet seeing more humans there to attack them to take out um the religion and, and to stop that from being there but still showing because taking it back to that first episode she was raising six humans that was her first primary right. purpose so she was the mother to six humans it was very difficult on her when her children started dying and right. no, they couldn't even figure it out for a while, I guess. Yeah. It was like six episodes. And before we realized that was the lack of yeah. nutrition and the piss poor offering of like, it's like worse than the Martian. The potatoes are toxic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like... the, the, the potatoes are radioactive. <laughs> yeah. That was the issue. And all the kids were dying from radiation poisoning, but it turns out that Campion is immune to that form of radiation. Uh, evidently because that was the only difference between he and the other children and survived. he was the runt right of the litter like if yes. we're using wolf uh wolf terminology he was Correct. the smallest he actually was born not breathing Correct. until yep. she sang the the world's creepiest lullaby <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's just her like nah, 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 like yeah. over and over it's so <laughs> so creepy i hate the song every time she sings it i have chills and i'm like she thinks it's great but like yeah. everyone else is like Ugh, you know just, <laughs> no thanks mother <laughs> good no no night no night yeah. i'll just so, put my i'll put myself to bed tonight um <laughs> mom. So, yeah, so then going back through that of course so, so she had her children she lost all of her children except for campion and then going up to this ship then that was really weird because she's a necromancer and she sees all this thing and when you're a necromancer form you're just in like destroy annihilate yeah. form like and for her to like see that react to that come yeah. out of that form get those children onto a shuttle yeah. and then take them back down it, it kind of i liked that aspect of it because to me it it kind of spoke back to her need to raise a family yeah and since she wasn't able to do that then yep. you know having them come back and even at that point was it it was Campion that destroyed the other batch of six embryos, correct? I can't remember. I think, it was it was in a, it was in a memory. Yeah. Um, it was in a memory that she had that he had done that, and because I think that happened even before she saved the children. Yeah. Because, because it was at that point where she knew it was supposed to be. We we're supposed to start these six. Yeah. Get them viable, then raise the next. Raise six, a second. Raise a well, and also the the thought yeah. being that they would procreate with one another because genetically even though they're being Correct. raised as siblings they're they're very careful in the show there's a lot of um solid um racial representation and you know 
it's not a show where it's like 90% white people and like one black dude. Yeah, no, it's, it's like very it's, a, it's a very good very good example of a diverse show. Obviously the uh component of the androids like sort of they're you know asexual um if yeah. you were you know because they're not uh, sexual creatures um even the fondness that they develop for one another it's not until mother um realizes that her creator in her memory like was actually infatuated with her that she starts to experience you know sexual feelings and sexual pleasure so yeah. i think it's a really from a representation standpoint this gets a's across the board for yeah. me um so for, for me though too i i had an issue like the scientist in me, I've got a biopsych degree and <laughs> you must have had a field day. Then. Oh geez. Well, no, usually I could sit and enjoy it. And I still did sit and really, really, really enjoyed this series. And guys, I'm, I'm just going to make a small point and the carrying capacity of populations to create uh, viable um, communities is you need like 40, around 40 or 50. Yeah. There's not uh, enough embryos species to be able to accelerate a, um, a group or, or species so it so it doesn't fall back into having issues with not enough genetic diversity to die of a single disease or a single right disease. and like why not just throw in some chicken embryos like right you know, <laughs> they could eat eggs they could have or like like goats you know goats are great they like clean the you know they clean the landscape and yeah. you, can eat, you can eat them you can drink their milk like yeah but um and it seemed like to me too it it was odd because they're like they're there on the planet they're growing stuff but it for me i was like what the fuck are they drinking yeah it's like i I never you never see water in the show so that's a very arid show (laughs) and i'm like i I never see anybody drinking anything unless somebody's suckling on mother that's like i know you see like any fluid exchange yeah, they're always drinking milk, and it's like, um, okay, well, like, is she pumping? Does she have a pump? That's cool. Yeah. If, if so, I just yeah. I don't know so, if that's true. Yeah, and, and getting back to your original point, yes, I love that plot device of her, you know, maternal instincts take, kicking in to, to save those those um, earthling children to be yeah. part of her family, but then the neat little nuance that happened after that is like, well, they're all religious. Right. <laughs> and they don't yeah. do it. They a they were raised to hate and fear atheists who Campion yeah. is. So this is a completely new experience a for the children because they're just trying to get away from the atheists essentially. And whereas mother was trying to bring them in and make this more of a communal thing, and of course she's trying to break their religion as they move forward, trying to get rid of their religious symbols. We're not Wait, going. Wait, so I have I have to tell you my my like I I have so many favorite parts of this because one. <laughs> It's not a story that I've seen before, so obviously it's getting high marks for me for that, Um, although we will talk about the similarities between certain aspects of this and the Netflix movie, I Am Mother, um, with Hilary Swank. So (laughs) my favorite part is when mother is you can tell there's like a programming like code that she and father have like for hospitality setting you know where it's like be polite but for mother because she's so aggro it's like but not too polite and she's always <laughs> just like have a seat enjoy dinner you will leave in the morning at first light yep. and like smiling <laughs> smiling and you can tell that the like algorithm is like delivered information grin creepily and get rid of these people or you'll melt them <laughs> just like yeah, right? her sense of wit and yeah. it's and, and, all and too, unintentional yeah. yeah and that's a great point too because then you have to realize that 
not only are these children that she quote unquote saved religious, they understood yeah. that she just blew up their entire ship with everyone they knew on it. Yeah. And she is a necromancer who they are deathly, but well, usually like they're fine with necromancers because they, the Mithraic control and created the necromancers and it's right. kind of wobbly gobbly uh, technology, I guess that they don't even currently have anymore. That's some group before them created right. the necromancers or something, but it's totally yeah. right. So this is, this is, a, they're, they're probably, I mean, they are even show it throughout their time being there in camp with the androids is that they're deathly afraid of mother at times. Like there's oh for sure mother's for sure. personality that they are just, they just can't sit with that and until they have shared experiences and start to gain some understanding of one another. Yeah, for sure. They they obviously like they also there's the, the component that they've been told right because they can't they did come from earth sorry hang on one second i'm gonna get a bone for this dog who's whining <laughs> sure. at me hold on yeah, my cat's screaming at me so the the things that i think that are kind of throwaways almost um that i wish that we had seen more about is it's obviously it's called raised by wolves yeah and she has some very wolf-like animalistic functionality in her DNA or her code, right? Because she'll howl at the moon if she's sad. She'll scratch at the dirt and dig to find bones. She yeah. finds the bone of an enormous dinosaur type thing <laughs> yeah. that she's assembling. So, like, what are your thoughts on that? Because I, I get the sense that there's DNA beyond human programmed into the androids. It may be like a, a wolf instinct to protect your cub, kind of, or pup, rather, um, that her creator felt would serve better than just to give human protection skills to. I haven't really worked that out yet. That's a really neat uh, point because that's something really that I hadn't thought about consciously watching the show, but it makes a lot of sense, especially since just when you first find mother, I mean, mother's, been reprogrammed she doesn't really know that she's a necromancer she doesn't know yeah. she has all of this power so to have this it's in the eyes you uh, know. yeah to hot to, i know right they, they you just pull out and put in new ones it's mm -hmm. cool. so that also have, felt very thor to me yeah, yeah right yeah <laughs> but but yeah that, so that was that's a really interesting take because that kind of gives you the the way to think for a you know, I've got to make a necromancer essentially the the savior of atheism or the mm -hmm. humanity. And it's and but for me that that was always the direct link to the title raised by wolves. Right. Is I just saw that as being raised, you know, in the environment, out in the wild, away from society and religion, which right. and is definitely the byproduct of being raised completely separate from religion and not even understanding what it is or being raised like you know the same way we would say here if someone's like a complete mess of a human yeah. <laughs> if you are you, are you raised by wolves you grow up in a barn like you know <laughs> right. um whereas campion metaphor too with like what you're, you're saying with the characteristics from mother i mean that's yeah that, that just really creates a nice little extra you know point for me to enjoy the, the show a little bit more especially when i go back through and rewatch it yeah i'm i'm about to start rewatching it so I'll, i'm gonna pay um closer attention as my dog barks in the background perfect timing but i want to be raised by wolves <laughs> 
I guess this is probably a good place for us to talk too about then like father's role um, because you know his he always self self identifies his role as to be of service. Yes, and he has a lot of complex feelings of please mother let me go kill this thing because otherwise I feel like I'm not of service to you. Yes, um, but even from when he's booted up in the landing craft, when him and mother first crash on the planet before they've um, started gestating their embryos, he's like, would you like to hear a joke? And it's very much his um, way of, <laughs> I think it's there for us. Honestly, it's a, it's a benefit for the audience because mother clearly doesn't appreciate his sense of humor, <laughs> but you know, for, for humans, humor is a very important coping mechanism. Yeah. Um, so as these children grow, they love father so much more than they love mother because he's so fun to be around. Um, <laughs> dad jokes. Yeah, great yeah, job it in that is. programming. It's a, you have the perfect father delivering these, yeah. you know, basically not super funny jokes in, in a very monotone way, but, the, yeah. but it's the perfect example of what dad jokes are to an Android. Well, and I love when, um, so the the kids who are raised by father, obviously of which Campion and like Zombie Tally are the only survivors of the yeah. original batch, love his jokes, right? Yeah. And mother kind of even loves them because um, that's, you know, sort of part of their family um, unit. Like is her role is this and his role is that. And um, so I think it's also like used to pr to provide comfort you know to the kids but it's so funny how they don't land when the other kids arrive yes because <laughs> they're because they're all teenagers except for like one or two of them are younger yeah so teenagers hate you know a teenager with a dad joke is just like really dad like no <laughs> you know, it's not funny well, well that too and it doesn't seem like the mithraic are that into comedy no, they really are not. They're so horrible. Oh, they're the, they're just the worst people. It's like ever. trying to tr crack a joke in church as a sermon is going on. That's how exactly. every joke lands to the Mithraic. Yeah, it is. It's really like not. Nope, we don't we don't laugh. And even in, like when the Mithraic see um, Sue, Mary, and and Marcus, Caleb um, playing with their son, um, who, by the way, I think is the worst actor on the show, that kid. Oh, Paul? Paul, <laughs> Paul sucks. <laughs> I hate Paul. I think he's Canadian. I'm try I've been trying to place his accent and stuff, but like, there's something about Paul I just, I can't get down I'll, with. I'll tell you what bugs me the most about Paul, and it's not necessarily Paul himself. <laughs> it's not it's the fact that he has a pet mouse though i can i can definitely relate to this because i was paul's age when i had my first pet and it was a white mouse as well so like 100 percent on board with that but they made the mouse all creepy yeah so it was a creepy mouse the mouse is not an actual mouse that yeah. you expect to see it is an avatar of a mouse evidently so then yeah. that so even weirder <laughs> so that's spun me off in this whole like issue of like all right, so they have like avatar beef. Can you eat these avatar like? Because you can definitely touch them and interact with these avatar animals. Could you make it? Could you avatar make the um, radioactive potatoes take taste better? You know, like well, at least from from the from the planet perspective of bringing the avatar of an animal to a planet. Yeah, like I could see them serving as beasts of burden if you want to. You know, why does why does only Paul get one? Why can't everyone have avatar animals? Exactly. Like, <laughs> did he just steal that avatar mouse out yeah. of like the 
the freaking storage locker there that they had yeah on the, poor the mouse park. that poor mouse's real body is like under the rubble of the of the ark <laughs> and then <laughs> we're just I, watching I, yeah that's what i wasn't sure either it's like he's does got the like a broken neck have to exist in some form too <laughs> on the ship to have the avatar yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably well because he was saying we have all kinds of animals up there on the ark and whatever and you would imagine that the yeah. because it's clearly such a reference to noah's ark oh um, I, I got it too i, I just uh, sorry i I don't mean to, to, to yeah go ahead off, but i think the reason why they have to have avatar animals on the on the ark is because they don't poop and that's gotta be oh, that's yeah. a really thing <laughs> oh my god it. i wish my dogs were avatars <laughs> i know now it's like oh, maybe i want an avatar animal that would be amazing um yeah. and I don't so that's see them either i hope that they go into that a little bit more in the second season especially like we don't have any confirmation about like the wolf dna component that i think is gonna yeah. be the reveal once we oh i love that um that's a great, that's a great idea that's figure great. that out um but the other thing i think is super cool especially while we're talking about the actually like the bonuses of having the androids as parents i love that father can put anything in his mouth to determine its <laughs> chemical composition that's his and then he spits afterwards so he'll yeah. like lick a rock and he'll be like it's poison <laughs> camping will be like can we eat this can we eat this leaf like please please father can we eat this leaf and he's yes. like no this leaf will kill you uh from the inside you'll get uh dysteria and you'll be dead yeah, and just but, like <laughs> but that then that creates a plot hole with the whole tuber thing it's like did yeah. he never eat one of those tubers yeah because they, they had to throw it inside of the bio um, yeah in the lander bio engine that. in the lander to figure yeah. out that it was radioactive totally which i guess makes it a better fuel for the lander <laughs> I, I know <laughs> well now you have gas so that's good <laughs> right <laughs> fuel up that lander and get the fuck out of there and and that's one also big point that i i, I the biggest problem that i have with the show is that nobody's in the temperate zone yet so so let's talk about that because that to me um leads to the why problem, the problem, finale problem. yeah no i think you were right the first time yeah um oh temperate zone yeah but the i, I feel like oh ridley scott i'm not sure what you're doing here i think the whole thing is supposed to be biblical allegory which is why there's like noah's ark and there's all yeah. these like crusaders and the yeah. mithraic versus the atheists yeah but when he they go through so in the season finale spoilers spoiler spoiler if you haven't had enough already when they get into the ship and they're hoping to just crash you know the lander with mother and father in it and destroy themselves because she's because, pregnant and she's about ready to oh you no she's birthed the, she's birthed the serpent birthed she, okay this is after the birth when they the have the worst the yeah the yeah. single creepiest fucking moment of this show full yeah. of creepy moments by the yeah. way <laughs> um is where she births she thinks she's gonna have a human baby she thinks she's like the kind of necromancer and she's always ripping body parts out of other people and putting them in herself so like she's <laughs> basically an actual ne necromancer assembling her own organs from like waste that she finds just dead bodies other, she's like yeah, yeah. Well, well they are the other androids just to be clear to people listening on the show <laughs> they, yeah, yeah, she's yeah, ripping out true. other other you know body parts from other androids yes and back inside of her. yeah and putting them inside of herself um yeah. so she is made pregnant because she enters the same like um like sleep reality world where um 
the mouse that we're all talking about lives like in real life and i guess that's also where all of the mithraic live when they're in stasis yes and, and so the world as well so they can still technically interact with each other while they're in stasis yeah it feels very purgatory um, yeah. allegory for me so she thinks she's got this big belly that's growing and now she's got the help of sue slash mary who has decided marcus caleb is just too fucked up to stick around he is a fucked up guy yeah um, he's starting to believe he's a messiah and then which is a nice story arc from a guy who is, is an atheist <laughs> moving on to that planet and then yeah you know, i don't know he always hearing... bugged me <laughs> 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 he always bugged me i knew when he was he sounded like a like a creepy pervert trying to get uh campion off that planet he's like we got animals up there on that ship we got candy, <laughs> candy. we got we balloon got, get in this white van we're gonna go together um <laughs> it's white lander <laughs> yeah it's really creepy it's um, unmarked white lander come on kid let's go. yeah and just the way he is with the kid who's not really his kid like something about yeah. him really bothers me so she's free okay. from him they've got the the pregnant teenager tempest who was raped by one of the clerics yes. they've got oh, that's a tough the um the old in that teenager. weird headdress thing like yeah black like he always thought of the like the black knight from oh my god uh, yeah Monty python like none shall pass he's got this, this very huge, man like, in the iron mask it was really creepy so, so like i'm always like what does he eat how does he survive and he's been alive forever and he has to be within like a f eight feet of his of his android, android yeah his head explodes yeah it's a um, bizarre punishment it's a very medieval torture device type of um thing like it feels to me very much like uh when i go through the like tower of london <laughs> and see yeah. things and they're like well they used to put this person uh in a cage and they would stretch their legs until they fell off and make them eat them you know <laughs> just, yeah. this is weird but for some shit. reason he could still see when he had that yeah. thing on his yeah head. i know that, it's, that was i don't know it's, thing about it because i assumed he was just you know like blind and deaf to most things going on unless like the android allowed him to listen to things but totally and I, what happened to his android like when it was just became a head like I, did i listen? I, hadn't, I have no clue i feel completely unresolved around, about that yeah they, like they were walking around together they were always within distance of each other and then like i watched the NECA episode and the android's head is in a backpack behind the guy yeah and I'm like yeah what the fuck happened here it's like I, I, I mean i guess she doesn't need the whole android but still it's yeah, just like i think it was a deleted scene or something i do too i think they must have had have so many big, deleted scenes yeah yeah that, that didn't make the show that would where i was just like i just couldn't follow it i just didn't i was like did i miss an episode i actually went back yeah. to the episode before yeah i had to it, rewind like, stuff and i still didn't find any resolution there i was just like yeah. oh, something okay cool, cool. okay so i'm I not maybe... alone on that one <laughs> yeah no you're not i have to i have a lot of notes for rewatch as to like what i feel like i missed that might actually be there so yeah to complete the um <laughs> the most like um, vomit inducing scenes in this series is when and, and this has this pure ridley scott right it's yes I mean, all it's, the way the, it's the xenomorph yeah it's it's he gave us the chest burster and the first to, to give us all nightmares to start yes. everything off i mean it and just, now this the show has continues. a lot of moments like that yes <laughs> and it has many it's not just one moment you've got yeah. like five six moments from the yeah. and basically the scene where she gives birth to her quote-unquote baby that is the product of her having sex with her creator in her memories yes. drive <laughs> Well, is technically not her creator but her reprogrammer her reprogrammer yes, yes. so she changed her from an actual you know necromancer into a, a a creature that could care for and raise humans yeah so in a really like eyes wide shut way there's like this like <laughs> circle of chanting creepy like kind of like the end of harry potter or like the um 
emperors, people in um, uh, the last, no, not the last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker. Skywalker, Um, There's just a bunch of weird, like hooded, like uh, creepy figures. And she's there about to give birth. And um, this fucking baby, let's talk about this baby. It's birthed out of her goddamn mouth, (laughs) which is horrible. And it's a snake. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a baby. It's not even a cute snake. It doesn't it no. has it, it lacks a lower jaw. It's more like a lamprey. Yeah, no. And then yeah. the first time that you nurse your kid, like it's it's a weird feeling, but it's not fucking terrifying. This thing latched onto her. Yes. <laughs> for her milk. Yeah. Yeah, with its teeth and just ugh, just the worst. Like that is such a Ridley Scott moment. Um yes. And it's very odd because these the whole time these holes all over the planet that look like with snake skins in them and they talk about oh these are these creatures that they haven't been here in a long time and oh, they're finding okay. skeletons well i've seen the skeletons i i didn't know if, i i didn't put together that those were the ones that made the holes to the earth's core or yeah the kepler's core i should say yeah um so there's a couple of you'll probably catch all of that on on the rewatch but there's a couple of scenes in the episodes where they're like father and and campion are finding like the skins of snakes in those holes oh wow when they're dry they're trying to get down to the um lander when it's stuck in the hole the first time and and they find like the shedded skin of of a snake i missed that that's awesome yeah and campion's like how long did you say these things have been dead on this planet and father's like oh i don't know let's do you want to hear a joke like let's talk about it (laughs) that's probably why i think that it's like oh yeah i love jokes and i just forgot about it (laughs) so reaction for kids it's like no you don't need to talk about uh how how procreation happens let's talk about i had to reread maybe like I don't know. I had to write to read like seven different interviews that the guys, the showrunners gave because I was so unclear on this. But basically, the serpents are evolving at the same rate that humans on the planet are devolving into something gross and strange. And that's why, like, there's this, um, the figure that's like their child, like the tally mm-hmm. ghost figure. Um, always running through the woods and leaving her weird Blair Witch looking dolls all over the place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so she suddenly gives birth to the serpent. And then you have this very, like, in a show all about sort of the Noah's Ark, the Crusades, you know, religion versus science, um, all these themes. You now have the, like, this is a fucked up Adam and Eve story, um, sort of a, like reverse creation story and the place yeah. in which they go um, to the tropical zone or the temperate zone um, is like to, supposed to represent the Garden of Eden ac- according to the showrunners. So then at the, at the end, the most terrifying, like you just are like, I'm still barfing over the, the birth out of the mouth, but then yeah. like, her little serpent child who she tried to kill is growing and just flies away. Yeah. <laughs> the end. <laughs> well, it, it doesn't fly away first. First it lets them like, like the, the lander when it's going down through the, into the, the earth's core. And then for some, some reason, like I was like, Oh, that sucks. They're the two best characters. Just got killed. Yeah. Um, Cause I love mother and father. I think they do it. They, they're like mm-hmm. to me, the best part of the show. Amazing. And, 
for some reason, then they shoot out the other side. And evidently, I guess this snake being allowed them to pass through the core. So what really Scott said in the interviews that I read was that it's as if you just went from New York to China through the core of the earth. I don't know why they were able to do it, but they, they were. And um, they get spat out the other side and that's where the tropical zone is. Yeah. Um, and so that's why there's all of the tunnels all over the earth. And a lot of um, internet chatter has it being sort of endgame style uh, time warp and time travel where it's like, well, if this is her snake, did her snake, is her snake the snake that created all of the holes on the planet? Like, have they gotcha. entered some black hole type time space continuum where the things that are being born now have existed there forever and therefore like is campion um what the other theory i keep seeing is is campion the marcus character is that why he resents you know the um android so much is he left behind on this planet or some or something so there's that component too but they definitely really wanted the imagery at the end to be very adam and eve um and the serpent, rather than being the person issuing the ultimatums, is the child. And that's something I, I really didn't take a whole lot of time to think about, other than just when they started mentioning, like, hey, we found a Neanderthal skull. I'm like, yeah. the first thing I thought was, oh, cool, that's where the Neanderthals went after they left Earth. And it's like, and, and then the next thing Father says is like, it looks like humans are devolving. And I'm like, what? It's yeah, like, you're oh. like, wait a minute. Nope, that's not what I thought. But yeah, and, and then the other problem. Now is, I'm thinking it. <laughs> humans devolve into Neanderthalus because they were technically a different species off of a different branch. They'd be uh, devolving into Homo erectus, which, you know, it's, it's like that kind of stuff just yeah. drives me nuts as a science. Yeah. But, and it'll be interesting because Ridley Scott usually has some ground rules you know and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in a second season they are renewed for a second season we can probably oh. expect it to come in 2022 which is great because we have mm, four years of content to watch in 2021 assuming we'll be allowed in movie theaters and yeah. seeing stuff again when things are like you know top yeah, gun 2 etc didn't release it's all coming up <laughs> like, like as soon as the pandemic's over and we have vaccines yeah i know gonna hit the theater it's gonna be amazing poor um i feel bad poor david harbour right like he's like comes off the third season of of um stranger things we don't know if he's well i mean we know he's not dead because it's david harbour but like then he got all fat to be in the black widow movie (laughs) and then the production and release for stranger things 4 where he's like gets to be like a skinny um Uh, (laughs) skinny cop (laughs) is like not not airing for another like five years so he's like stuck in this state of like in between those two roles um which is funny um harbowski again Harbowski. um (laughs) so then not not president not president freeman Hrabowski. yeah not Hrabowski. let's be clear yeah so then let's talk about um because i think that we've said most of what we wanted to cover with raised by wolves other than yeah. just to encourage everybody who hasn't seen it to go see it, it. see it. it's amazing yeah. it's, um yeah. it, it, kudos it my great nightmare mare fuel <laughs> yeah. yeah 
Yeah. And the acting is phenomenal, especially yeah. for the androids. Like that is not an easy role. And apparently those costumes were miserably uncomfortable for father and mother. Um, oh, those, those spandex skin suits. Yeah. Uh, like the actors were like needing, you know, to be cut out of them and like cooled down because they're filming in the desert and stuff. Wow. So wow. fantastic acting though. Too. That's why. Yeah. It's overabsorbs the most amount of heat. Yeah. 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 Um, but I love, I loved the show and I'm looking forward to a second watch through. Nice. Nice. Me too. So then you wanted to talk about I Am Mother? I do because right. I saw this right, right before, the week before um, Raised by Wolves came out on HBO Max. Netflix had recommended it to me because I watched like Interstellar and The Martian and whatever all the time. Yeah. Um, so I Am Mother, we've got a very, very small cast in this movie. I think it's really three actresses, which is which is pretty, um, pretty badass. Yeah. And uh, we've got Hilary Swank is uh, human. <laughs> then we have Rose Byrne doing the voice of the um, android or, yeah, mother, also mother, which also is mother. one of the reasons that... I was like, am I, I'm confused. Is this a thing? And this movie is actually a few years old. Um, I'm not sure why it showed up in my... Oh, I guess it's just 2019. I, yeah, I just watched it for the first time, too, recently as well. I think about a month ago or two months ago. And you hear nothing about it at all. Like, yeah. you hear nothing about it. It has, like, it got nominations at, like, the BAFTAs, and it has 90% positive ratings on Rotten Tomatoes, which is higher even than Raised by Wolves, which has 77%. Wow. wow. So the cast... Well, a lot of people were turned off to a lot of that symbolism. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Well, and the cast is all female with the exception of the um, actor who wore the CGI suit to stand in for Mother was a guy. But Hilary Swank is um, a human rebel who's fighting in this apocalyptic, you know, end times earth sort of a resistance fighter rose Byrne is the voice of mother um a much clunkier android than we see um in raised by wolves you know she's really um (laughs) she really looks like a robot and then we have um clara rugard larson who plays the the elder version of the daughter and there's a couple actresses who play um the younger version of the daughter but the premise for this film, again, spoiler alert, um, so go watch it and then come back because I really think um, a lot of people have missed this one. Um, but the the premise being that, sorry, my puppies. <laughs> Listeners know Bo. He was uh, 30 pounds the last episode we recorded, and he's now 72 pounds. So, yeah, so. Almost COVID-19. I know. He put on his COVID-90. Hold on. Yeah. Oh, your bone is right there. Yeah, so it's just that's the cast. It's it's Hillary Swank, Rose Byrne, Clara Rugard Larson is the daughter, um, and she's a newcomer as well. Really, actually, I love her. I love her in this movie, and I'm like yeah, wanting to yeah. want to follow everything she's done. She's a Danish actress, uh-huh. and she is she's had some Disney Channel type stuff, like Disney yeah. Channel Europe, Europe type stuff yeah. in her cast her past but mostly danish work okay um and the premise being that again humans have fucked up and ruined the whole world so that's valid um there are androids yeah they don't leave human they don't leave earth they go underground essentially exactly and so there are robots who are attacking the humans 
a facility has been built. Um, we don't know by who. We never really get a, a complete answer to that question until like the last frame of the of the film. But um, where embryos of children, again, like this should sound familiar, yeah. are stored, <clears throat> and then certain robots are given the task of um, helping manually just gestate these embryos. So whereas they're implanted inside mother in Raised by Wolves, mm -hmm. and she actually grows them and nurses them herself, um, in I Am Mother, they are sort of, they exist in a test tube, um, like <laughs> off of a test tube placenta, and yeah. um, they're in a, a gestational sac for the duration of nine months that is like a physical ball of fluid yeah. in a tube. And then she breaks the sack when it's time and um, feeds them out of a bottle, you know, <laughs> with her I robot did fingers. The, the, um, her, her arms that will heat and she mm -hmm. light to give that nurturing feeling. Oh my God. I want, I was like, I want her for when I had my babies and yeah. I was tired to be able to just like, Hold this and warm this baby. Exactly. And and that's one cool thing about this because obviously it gets dark towards the end, but like you don't know this at the outset of this journey okay. is that um, they think they have programmed these nurse droids to do all of the things that a parent must do, mm. but better than humans could because yeah. humans get tired, humans get hungry, humans get cranky irritable yell at their kids not robot mothers like they can um read stories forever they can yeah. keep the blanket warm they can rotate the baby while the baby's sleeping you know and, and everything is very happy for um the very first embryo you know we think yeah. um because we're informed by a ticker that shows us how many humans there are inside the facility at any given time and says one when this child is daughter is her name is um is born mm -hmm. um and as a toddler you know you see her growing up learning how to dance you know eating dinner at the table with mother doing her homework that kind of thing yeah. um but it seems like a very tender relationship and that that she doesn't want for anything as a child because unlike the um, wasteland that is Kepler 22B in Raised by Wolves, inside the facility, they have everything they need for a child's comfort, including yep. technology and video games and food. Yep. Um, and so all is well for daughter until she hears a knock on the door of the bunker, thinking that there are no humans really left in the world. The world has consumed itself um, and depleted its own resources and that the bunker is the only safe place. Um, she's sort of curious and inquisitive. And then here comes Hillary Swank knocking on the door, begging to be let in and, and treated for um, a bullet wound. And, and she spoils um, very much the way Campion has androids spoiled for him when all of the other children arrive on Kepler 22B. Yeah. Um, Hillary Swank tells daughter, you live with one of those, you know what they do. Yeah. Sort of planting a seed in daughter's mind that she has to decide, has mother been lying to me my whole life? This, this robot that I trusted and who nurtured me, or um, is this intruder telling a lie to trick me? Um, and from there, that's really the, the 
takeaway for the rest of the movie until we see her kind of come into her own. Yeah. And that was, that was the big moment too. in the story when Hillary Swank comes to the, uh, comes to the door with, with a, uh, with a problem and it shook her world because daughter didn't know that any humans lived thought that only existence, like she was essentially the only human in, in, in existence and really shook her world because, Hey, my mom lied to me. Right. And it's like such a teenager thing. It's like when you finally like, mom lied to me. I can't ever trust her again. <laughs> well, and it's funny because um, they said that if there were any human survivors, they would be so contaminated by plague. Mother, this is what mother yeah. and all the books that um, daughter reads say is that mother, you know, conditions are to think that if humans have survived, they're sick, they're contagious, highly contagious, highly toxic. Like, so (laughs) the way daughter initially treats, (laughs) treats Hillary Swank's character is by making her like don an entire hazmat suit before she will treat her um, bullet wound. Bo, can you go away? Go find something to do. And was mother in stasis or something when Hillary Swank first came? I think she that was like her um her sleep mode like yes. charge battery mode. Yes. Um so yeah, yeah, she was and that's how um daughter was able to and and daughter had to kind of do some covert stuff there too because she she met mother but then she had to hide her outside the door. Yeah. And meanwhile Hurley Swank is like bleeding out from a bullet wound. Yeah. <laughs> And so she's always, and it's funny too, now that I'm thinking of it, because we talked about it so much with, I am um, with Raised by Wolves, but like a mouse is the, is the reason, oh, Bo is very angry. Um, A mouse is the reason that she even finds out about there being life outside of her facility, right? Because remember she finds the mouse in the hallway and then mother makes her kill it because it could be contaminated. Yes. Yeah, that, 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 I forgot that plot point, but yeah, you're right. That was, and it wasn't an Avatar mouse. It was an actual mouse. Right. I don't think we have Avatar pets, but you can see that <laughs> animals are a source of curiosity for um, daughter because when she and mother are doing origami, like even from when daughter's very young, um, the origamis are all like animals and she has all these cute little animals decorating her bunk bed area. So, I mean, clearly the choice, if the choice before us is, do we live in Raised by Wolves as children or I am mother? I'm picking I am mother all the way. Um, it's like helping, she's like helping her prep for the SATs and anything you can do anything and she bribes her i mean there is a, a degree of like grooming too going on like she's bribing her to condition her to want a, a sibling um yeah. you know so she's always like oh if you do this for me i'll like grow us another family member and we'll be a big family yep. um but you slowly find out as hillary swank gets in there and starts to make daughter question the reality that she has access to um you see this this sinister side of what's going on truly in this facility, which is if yeah. like an an imperfect child um, is born, that mother basically just incinerates them. Yeah. Um, and I'm not talking imperfect, like having a gen- genetic imperfection. It sounds like if they perform poorly on their testing, that they get incinerated. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, I don't know. It's, it's kind of apple. It's not apples. It's not apples to apples. It's, it's a, a, it's just once we get past the androids doing the child rearing part, like these are two very different content pieces. Um, but I'm curious if uh, what your thoughts were, um, especially from the uh, sort of psychology aspect that you brought to Raised by Wolves, like what, what was your takeaway from the sort of morality and the overall journey of um, I Am Mother? Well, the first um, aspect of psychology that I really resonated with me, I started talking about, and that was Mother herself having that that warmness to her that she can just turn on this light and warmth show for infants while she's holding. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to an, a very, very old uh, psychological experiments with, with chimpanzees where they'd have them with a, a wire mother with a head on it that would nurse and a, another one mm-hmm. would have a, a mother with a, like a, a still wire body, but would have plush to it. Right. They'd find that the the chimps that were raised, or these monkeys that were raised, because I think they were actual monkeys, they weren't chimps, um, but the monkeys that were raised with the plush uh, mothers as opposed to the wire mothers were easily more adaptable to being, to entering in with other monkeys. Okay. So so that's kind of like this, to me, so I, I got a little chuckle out of that because it's like, oh, look, they, it's a, they got a... Uh, <laughs> Right, carpeted mother there essentially to have this warmthness to her to give you some comfort as an infant but you know it still would sing you songs and hum to you and all that kind of stuff totally which was really cool like from from a psychology standpoint for being a a mother rearing a child and especially you saying stating like but this mother never gets mad and never yeah she doesn't she doesn't really discipline her which Um, is something that no mother can relate with which is is also it's like something completely foreign you know it's alien almost uh so um so that would create this this type of child i guess that gets everything it's always wanted i don't know if this is like the most helicopter parenting you could ever do i know right it is very (laughs) like she can't even go to sleep like what's what's wrong why aren't you sleeping like just very very creepy the room (laughs) why is something wrong with the way that you're thinking right now yeah exactly it's like do i need to incinerate her tomorrow (laughs) i know and it's like we don't know that until it's so much later so so that totally creeps me out um yeah so that's why i really liked it though too from the end of this when once you go all the way through it's like mother isn't just mother she's not this unique being she's actually part of a hive mind of all of the um androids which is yeah really sinister when you start thinking about it because it really is when the androids start attacking and burning through to try to get in and then that whole story involved with hillary swank getting there in the first place it it raises just so many questions on like was this all just orchestrated yeah and and looking physically at the characters while i was watching the show i'm like daughter looks just like hillary swank yes it does same body type, same yeah. hair type, same facial features. Facial I'm features, like, yep. Is this the same embryo? Yeah, so yeah. Those are the types of things I started asking myself. Is it her embryo? Yeah, where did they get these embryos from? And like, yeah. you know, clearly they didn't like get a, get consent <laughs> from yeah. donors. I think that I I found that when I really switched from being sort of like on mother's side, like I was like, oh, like this this humans coming in like destroying their little family you know their little family um makeup and then i was just like oh never mind like when 
mother keeps trying to treat Hillary Swank for her injuries. Yeah. To prove to daughter that there's nothing sinister going on. However, um, she makes, so because um, Hillary Swank is so distrusting of having the android do any of the surgical work that's necessary to save her life, not even administer um, the uh, like penicillin to, to stop her wound from becoming infected. Um, it's like, fine, you're 14. You do the surgery. Yes. <laughs> <for daughter. laughs> Congratulations. You're a doctor now. Yeah. Well, you've been studying. So, yeah. and I'm like, Jesus, I thought she was just like doing ballet and learning about philosophy. And suddenly, <laughs> um, yeah, that's, there, that's not there, the case anymore. And that is like a, a big mind fuck moment too, for, cause Hillary Swank is absolutely deathly afraid, but does not want this Android anywhere near her because I guess with the way that she's brought up, it, it's androids kill them. And that's it. Like the, the, the android is essentially the last thing you see before you. Right. Die. Yeah. I mean, and that's like, you can see, I mean, Hillary Swank is, is obviously like a standard bearer of an actress. Right. So it's like, yes. yeah, right. I would believe whatever she wanted me to believe, but like um, to me, it feels a little bit like she's, um, you can see the very real fear on her face, like yeah. whenever the, the like the needles are coming closer, and obviously mother does try to like shoot her with some guns. So yeah. it's like, um, hold on a second. Sorry, I have to. I mean, nothing lock. is scarier than than like a robot coming after you with a gun. What? It's just that like that cold hard. Um, trope of like something that that has no that you cannot reason with you cannot talk your way out of that moment whereas in every single other movie you see when there's a gun pulled there's always a big conversation that happens right when it's a robot you're fucked it's like exactly like that's it to me that's always been like a really scary aspect of robots and and totally yeah. yeah that's totally true i think it's it's so i don't know the the acting in this film is at a really high level even rose Byrne, like the subtle nuances in her voice as we um begin to learn the nefarious like underbelly of this this facility and that she's been killing children and that she's um networked into like an army of murderous genocidal droids um i, I don't know just like there's some there's something so powerful in her voice acting in in this film that I don't think just any actress could have sold. And so I, I love, I, I'm going to follow the career of, of um, the daughter, like very uh, attentively because I imagine we can expect great things from her. And we already know that any movie that Hilary Swank is in has that credibility. That's why I watched it in the first place <laughs> when it was recommended to me. And the um, was perfect in that moment too, when she's talking to daughter at the end of the movie where daughters has a gun pulled on mother. Right. Trying to take out the other embryo. Or yep. the other, not, sorry. It's a baby at this point. Yeah. It's, a little it's, brother, little brother. Yeah. So she, she has an axe. I guess it was an axe. She started off with an axe. Mm -hmm. And then. Which you knew she was never going to be able to do anything with that. You're like, she's too pure. Like she's such a good little girl, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, well, but she did hack the door. So it shut on mother's leg. So mother was stuck there. Yeah. But mother's not a human. That's true. That's true. 
Yeah, like she wasn't going to take it out on the baby. You knew that. But, but the, yeah, and the, she had wanted it so she, badly, you know, like just like Campion wanted companionship and yeah. um, love. You know, I think that's the the underlying lesson between both of those films is that it, uh, the both uh, Raised by Wolves and I Am Mother is that you can't you can't um, fabricate in a, in a robot, you know everything it is to do with parenting um which as a parent makes me feel good yeah. <laughs> maybe you do i don't know i think it just teaches us that children are flawed yes children <laughs> are flawed parents still children suck they're parents really- are flawed too but we're also <laughs> adaptive yes um <laughs> and i think that you know that's the one thing that in raised by wolves it's it's a partnership so father is there to balance the, the more aggressive parts of mother's personality. Yeah. And then in um, also in Raised by Wolves, I think mother's aggressive personality is triggered by threats to her child, right? Whereas at the end of I Am Mother, we see this is like a bigger scheme to control humanity and yeah. for robots to stay in power and to build an army of humans and yeah you know i think that the intentions are, are quite different um where Maybe. you see the androids in raised by wolves becoming more and more human mm. as uh you peel the sort of petals off of daughter's eyes she sees how inhuman and inhumane her mother is um and chooses to go off with Hillary Swank because she thinks she can actually like learn how to person better <laughs> from her. And to me, that whole robot computer experience was very visceral from playing the video game Portal. And I don't know if you have experience with the game, but I know some of your listeners do. And it was this great video game, uh, the same same video game uh, uh, developers that do Half-Life, Valve, right. Valve is the name. And, you know, it's, it's great in a, a number of ways. One, you have portals, which are essentially, you can shoot two, two sides of the same hole. As soon as you pass through one, you're automatically coming out through the other side. And that's right. a completely new way of gameplay. But the, um, the enemy in that game was a supercomputer that put you through testing so you could learn how to use and operate this portal device. And then you find out as you're playing this game that, you know, humanity's kind of done and they're just kind of messing with people and testing and that's their that's their whole motive so they're this very you know static um very uh, you know robotic and no humanity inside of them whatsoever other than be able being able to talk in a in a nice way to make you think like they're you're on they're on your side they try to try to appeal to your to your uh to your emotions. Well, they can lie. I mean, I think that's, you know, that's a very dishonest, um, you know, fool the stupid human kind of, you know, almost like the space odyssey 2001, like relationship with Hal. it's very, exactly. Exactly. It's very devious and, and it makes you wonder, you know, humans, do humans prefer to be coddled or do they prefer to be, transparent and i think you don't have one answer to that because all of our personalities are also different but if you had the choice of just being comfortable accepting whatever it is mother in um i am mother is putting out there and and having a safe life and good food and you know (laughs) health care and learning how to become a surgeon or whatever versus like 
Campion having to eat, you know, the potatoes that kill everyone but him. Potatoes. Well, then, so there's one other thing I wanted to talk to you about today, and then I hope that we can come back and talk about um, Mandalorian, which is only a couple weeks away. Um, um, in another episode, but I kind of want to keep this episode to, since we have such a good thing going with weird androids, um, yeah. WandaVision, the show, um, if you have time to, to talk about that. I have time out the ass. It's quarantine. <laughs> good. Oh, yeah, there's nothing. Home, so yeah, we're good. Good. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about WandaVision then. Um, so from the last round of our movie madness, um, tournament that you and I participated in the winner ultimate winner of the tournament was Scarlet Witch um well I thought you you meant me from uh getting all getting the most points right in the you win yes we know striker you win everything (laughs) my dog is cheering for you yay thank you I I thought well Scarlet Witch was in the finals against was it Captain Marvel was it Wonder Woman Captain Marvel Captain Marvel and Captain, mm-hmm. Cap, didn't Captain Marvel win or did, did Scarlet Witch win? I thought Scarlet Witch won. Well, Captain Marvel won because I won the really? tournament. Yeah, because I picked Captain Marvel to win oh, the Oh, maybe in my brain it was, uh, I really thought it was. Mm, Either way, know. super cool to have three women in the yeah. final four for a who would beat up who uh, competition. So that was really, really interesting the way that broke down. It was, yeah. And that Loki was the only male in the um, yeah finale so he's very effeminate if you're asking me yeah no, yeah no, and i think very he, he's got effeminate qualities i'm not saying he's very effeminate. i think that well no he's very like he's got some androgynous stuff going on you know like that's that's, that's i mean he's that. a he's a changeling or you know he's yeah. he's got um he's got all that going on uh yeah. let's see where is this i'm looking because i'm really curious now i feel like Oh, you were right. Yeah, it's Captain Marvel beat Scarlet Witch. Okay, well, Scarlet Witch got pretty far. Yeah, she did. Um, it's, it's, it's a full NCAA-style tournament with 64 entries. Yeah, yeah, she did. Yeah, she made it pretty far. She yeah. did. I think she beat Wonder Woman, and that's probably why I'm like, did yes, she beat Wonder Woman or Loki? I don't know. Either way. Yeah, Wonder Woman. Yeah. Scarlet Witch did great. And now for fans of Scarlet Witch and Vision, we get our own Disney Plus series, uh, in I think two to three months from now, they haven't officially released the launch date, but it sounds like they were unhindered by the production stoppage. Um, unfortunately, Captain America or sorry, Falcon and the Winter Soldier were um, delayed because of production, but WandaVision had gotten pretty far along, likely because it'll be more CGI and technology than um, the like, you know, the physical work. Um, done for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So, and Mandalorian was finished. They had wrapped um, completely before COVID even occurred season two, because they'd been simultaneously working on season two with season one. Nice. Um, so in the vein of androids, we have the love, the love that uh, lives on beyond Scarlet Witch and Vision, yes. um, or Wanda Maximoff and Vision. And, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the House of M comic. I think that laid the blueprint. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not really familiar with that, and I just put it together right now because I was always thinking about like I. I know of Wandavision. I know the Marvel universe. I'm very excited about a lot of that. I wasn't as into the Avengers side when I was um, reading comics. Yeah. Um, 
I was more into the individual side, more into the X-Men side, Wolverine, yeah. that type of stuff. And, and that, of course, like Spider-Man and Venom, I love that line too. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, of course. But, it's classic. So I just put it together right now while we're talking about this. So WandaVision is Wanda and Vision. And yep. I was always thinking of a show like, oh, it's the Wanda show. On yeah. WandaVision. Yep. <laughs> so that's like, yeah. So the trailers, which yeah. we'll insert the audio for here, um, the the trailers have shown very little and it's interesting because we're going through this um, movies by the decade. Um, the only stuff. thing that I remember from the trailers is like a 1950s. Yep. Like Claire, like, like be like leave it to beaver household. Yeah. Ideal so, yeah. Yep. So there's a very like um, the, the first, like it, it's a sequ- sequentially in black and white, it starts in black and white with Wanda and Vision, very Dick Van Dyke show, um, you know, hair, costume, and the, the house and the, you know, all of that. And then um, slowly becomes more like Bewitched or Brady Bunch. And then there's color um, going through all the way to something that looks very much like Full House when it's clear that they have twin babies. <laughs> and... Um, the the trailers don't give you a whole lot um but what i'm finding out so katherine hahn uh, the comedic act- actress katherine hahn who we all love um is in this uh series as the next door neighbor to wanda and vision okay and very much in the lucy and ricky you know way or the dentist, the menace way, you've always got a neighbor who's like, or even in <laughs> Boy Meets World with like Mr. Feeney, mm-hmm. you've kind of always got like a neighbor or no, who's the guy in Boy Meets? No, is that, I'm thinking of uh, Home Improvement where they've got that guy across the fence where you never see his face. Yeah. Anyway, in, in sitcom lore, yeah, yeah, you always well, have a yeah, nosy well, neighbor. Yeah. yeah, Wilson. You always have a nosy neighbor, right? And so she's the nosy neighbor, but if you are following the um, comic book, um, she's actually like a Salem era witch hmm. who was supposed to have been burned at the stake. Huh. And so the premise is thought to be spoiler alert. If I'm, if I'm getting this right, it's just from rumor mongering and following smarter people on the internet than myself. But um, the, the thinking is that in the comics, Wanda is so deluded and, and destroyed by Vision's death that she manifests a family for herself and Vision um, in her mind. So she's sort of imprisoned by her own mind um, here. And uh, they have these twin sons who are mutants who become part of the broader like X-Men New Avengers series. Mm-hmm. Um, but once she realizes that they're not real, uh, she in the comics kind of forces herself into an even more maniacal state. Um, the vision's dead and you know, the twins aren't real. So her babies aren't real. They're gone. And, and her love of her life is still gone. And she needs the support of this, witch, um, like true Salem level, witch to like help restore her to, some normative state um and there's a lot of cameos from people who are in the thor cast and in the um ant-man cast and it all culminates with dr strange and the multiverse of madness as a film uh in 2022 oh cool yeah so um that's the rumors that i have i'm curious i mean i know that you're a fan of of solid acting but if you think that Lizzie Olson and Paul Bettany have 
what it takes to carry a show. Um, you know, it is on Disney Plus and, yeah. and the only television show on Disney Plus that we can look to from, from an adult content standpoint um, in this kind of world is like a Mandalorian. Do you think the ingredients are there to do the MCU proud um, with this, this concept? I think they are, and, and here's the reason why, is in watching the short amount of time that they were really offered in the Marvel Cinematic Universe to kind of show their love for each other and develop that kind of believable bond that like these two are, you know, lost souls, souls that found, you know, humanity and a reason to exist in each other. Um, one being like, completely fabricated and created by people right. and being just completely um, kind of cast away by people and, and never really having a home or, or, a, you know, a solid like lighthouse to, mm-hmm. to come home to. So I, I felt it was very impactful in the movie when they were fighting for vision and losing vision um, uh, in, in that scene where, where they get the oh, yeah. forehead. I mean, that, I mean, because the scene where they're fighting before where they're, you know, in hiding, I guess in Ireland or in the UK somewhere, um, like I, th- I thought that was still, even though it was an action sequence, it was an, emo- it was an emotionally driven action sequence. Yep. Um, and then her performance when the stone was taken out of his, his head was one of the, yeah. it's, it's a subtle performance. It's a fast performance, but it, it's up there with anybody else's emotionally. It's one of the most emotionally ripping I felt performances in the MCU. For sure. Yeah. Um, and I think I love, I love Lizzie Olsen. I watched the Facebook, the, it was a limited series. It was only two seasons, but she was um, on a show called Sorry for Your Loss on Facebook. And it's, um, oh, wow. it's about a, a like 28 year old who loses her husband in a terrible accident and she's widowed oh, at God. this early age. And, um, it's, it's so good. It's such a good show. Um, she, she delivers as a bereaved widow, you know, um, in a level on that show. And so I understand kind of the, probably the executives who saw that, um, putting her in this role in this show, but this show has to be lighter because obviously it's a Disney plus show. It's part yeah. of the MCU. They haven't really gone totally dark um, in this iteration of the MCU. Although I've heard that the new like blade and some of the other movies that are forthcoming are going to be a little bit grimmer than our, even than Endgame um, <laughs> was. So um, that'll be interesting to see. And then obviously to see the, the vision, how he is brought back. Is he actually back? Is this a concept of her mind? Is Has she reassembled him? Um, which, which is something she'd be capable of doing with her power. She's supremely overpowered. Or, or, but could she do it without the Mind Stone is the question. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, that, that's, that is an interesting thing to bring up. It just at least puts me in a location with the powers that yep. Scarlet Witch has. It wouldn't it wouldn't be out of the realm of believability, but it's right. more comic booky to kind of create this alternative reality or alternate right. reality to kind of put the two within, which is definitely within her her powers. When I have to think, given the range of these two actors, because these two are not, you know, you you can't really think for someone like a. Um, I guess like a Chris Evans, you know, or um, some of the other characters like Chris Pratt, like really sort of um, action movie, comedic movie actors, but Paul Bettany and Lizzie Olsen are both legit 
actors, you know, like they're, they're thespians. And I don't think either of them would have committed um, two years of their life to the show if we couldn't expect a great deal from it. Um, yeah. yeah. To your point about that scene, that very painful scene at the end of the uh, of Infinity War, where um, Wanda's drawing the stone out of Vision's head while Thanos is advancing on her, at the end of that scene, after um, Thanos just rips the stone out of when he's like snapped his finger and brought Vision back momentarily, and then rips the stone out. The time stone to go back and put the stone back in his head. Yeah, that was right. And he um, Vision turns this very dull grayish blue color Mm. um which is very different than the vibrant red we're used to seeing in his you know vision format even though he has a uh, luckily for luckily for scarlet witch he has a human skin as well because that would be hard to deal with all the time um but they're saying that that's why the scenes in the shows like it switches from a black and white sitcom from the 50s to Technicolor around the like Brady Bunch era in the trailer. Showing the color coming back to his skin kind mm-hmm. of. Yeah, so it's like from death to life for him. Wow, I like that. Yeah, so it'll be really interesting. And then like obviously I have a million questions. Like I don't know that Disney's going to dwell in the space of like vision's reproductive properties right like he doesn't have <laughs> sperm so <laughs> like how is she with the the two twins that she well, who knows what the mind is capable with the mind stone true so. yeah <laughs> if he still has that or what iteration mind summons some sperm and yeah. uh <laughs> yeah but i think that um the this mind is... matter thing is what the mind stone is is being exactly able, you know whatever you can perceive essentially yeah that's a good point well i think that Either way, this has been a very interesting year of content um, orienting itself around androids and human relationships and whether as a parent or a partner. So um, I'm going to probably hunt down a couple more examples of this as they come because, you know, they will. Um, But any final thoughts on our, uh, given that we've got two that we've seen and a third in the pipeline on this uh, kind of new genre of android friendly film well i'll be excited to see this because i want to see what disney can put out into the realm and into the canon for the mcu i mean there's there's been some really really excellent marvel shows out uh like the whole defender series that was done on netflix was fantastic and that was across the board, aside from like... I haven't the, even seen that yet. Oh, oh that, and that's everybody, because you got Luke Cage series, you got oh, yeah. Daredevil, you got Elektra, you got um, G, uh, Jones, Jessica Jones, yeah. uh, Iron Fist, and then they bring them all together for the... So, and Daredevil, or not, not Agents Daredevil. Of Shield and, yeah. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fantastic show. And Legion, if, if you've never seen Legion... I haven't yet. Legion is an incredible show. It's more of the X-Men aspect yep. of the Marvel Universe and this this child that is supposed to be the child of, of Xavier and another powerful um, mutant. And, and it, it's probably the most beautiful, one of the most beautifully shot shows I've ever seen in my life. And it's just utilizing all of the tricks that you can use in television to create a story that is both mind bending and visually fantastic. It's almost like a Kubrick esque show or, or if Kubrick, if Stanley Kubrick was alive and he was directing a Marvel show, it would have been Legion. 
that's that's awesome. the oh my god i'm gonna have to watch that tonight how to watch that good sell <laughs> it is, it is visually stunning and it has aubrey plaza is fantastic in it as well nice so they, it's got fantastic acting across the board and the one guy from uh flight of the concords is in it too if oh good and he's fantastic as well and um but so that this is why i'm excited for wandavision like is is disney able to kind of like make this leap from you know family into more of the you know comic book which is edgier which is a little bit more has psychological aspects that are you know really unsettling because you can't always have it just you know nice and meat and potatoes stuff all the time so it'll be neat to see if wandavision is going to be maybe that first show where they start to divert a little bit um from the from the disney idea of a, of television into actual comic book development of a character and, and staying along the lines of the mcu where you know a lot of bad things are going to happen well you're going to get a heads up on the competition because uh to thank you for your marathon participation in today's uh episode we're going to send you a copy of the house of m comic oh. book oh. which uh, is sort of the blueprint for wandavision so i'll be interested to hear what you think after you read that Great. and yeah and um i hope you'll come back because i do want to get into androids in the star wars universe a little bit with our mandalorian uh, the week before mandalorian launches our, our sort of season two preview yeah. panel a couple of people you know will be sitting in on that episode as well awesome i would love to be any part of this i'm i'm, I'm honored to be on your show so you know thank I, you well striker everything that i would do with you i mean i always have a blast with anything i'm involved working with you whether we're just oh thank you jackbox whether we're trying to be funny and make each other laugh on the movie madness yeah, yeah. it's a it's a really fun relationship you need to do more jackbox yeah. um striker. i've known you for a long time it's really nice to get to know you better and yeah likewise us. no i'm a big fan of yours too and um <laughs> our, our friend dustin is 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 uh, natural at bringing good people together. So I think it's uh, yeah, fantastic great. to be able to work with you too. Um, yeah, Stryker, awesome. tell us where we can find you on um, your podcast for folks who want to hear more um, from you about the Steelers. Great. Yeah. If, if you like the Steelers and you see how insane I already am about obviously movies and TV shows, which I am, um, I'm even more insane about the Pittsburgh Steelers and we're across a lot of different platforms. The most easiest being SteelerNation.com. And, but our, our SteelerNation.com podcast is available across, you know, we're on Apple podcasts, we're on Spotify, uh, Simplecast. We're on every single basic location where you can find and download podcasts to listen at your leisure. And if you enjoy more visuals, we actually, air the podcast live on Facebook on our, our Facebook channel, which is uh, Facebook slash Facebook.com slash Steeler Nation com. And we also do it live on our Twitter site, which is at underscore SN podcast. And then we upload everything on our YouTube page. So you can still watch the vidcast as well, if you like at YouTube.com slash C slash Steeler Nation. Awesome. Well, we'll put all the links in the show notes too for today. Awesome. Thank I'll, you I'll so much. So you don't have to transcribe them. So awesome. Easy. Thank you. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not good at that, but <laughs> no I'll find an Android to do it for me. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, thanks so much for joining us. You guys, this has been another episode of high tea with monsters, rebel scum and vigilantes. And as always, pinkies up and let us know what you think uh, is out there that we haven't already talked about.